0: All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Adherent Apologetics Show. If you are joining us live, welcome. I appreciate you joining us. And if you're listening to the podcast or after the fact, welcome as well. Uh, today I'm talking with Lindsay Mendenwald. Uh, Mendenwalt, did I pronounce the last name correctly?
1: I'll take it. I'm not thinking about the way people pronounce the last name. And Jay will say the exact same thing. So, Mendenwald is how it's done. Mendenwald. Okay.
0: I, I I am all, all I'm part of the bad uh the family of last names that people can't pronounce when I played football it'd always be like Tackle by Zach Setchler or Seekler oh. or something, something crazy they can never say it right so I could relate to you on that. Um, so Lindsay obviously does a lot of different things. There's a lengthy bio um, on Lindsay if you want to read it and you can learn more about her and she'll talk a little bit about what she does. Um, but basically, she works with in the apologetics realm. She works with Mama Bear apologetics. She's the executive director and she's done a lot of work uh, regarding world religion. She's writing a chapter in the Harvest Han- Popular Handbook of World Religions on the Jehovah's Witnesses, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's be a lot of fun. How are you doing, Lindsay?
1: I'm doing great. It's a warm, sunny day here in Waco, Texas.
0: It's awesome. It's good stuff. Um, before we get in, I just want to say, as always, this show is presented by you guys, by your support at patreon.com slash apologetics And with that out of the way, um, let's just start with this. Can you just talk a little bit about like who you are, what you do, things like that?
1: Yeah. Do you actually care if we start with prayer first? Is that- Yeah, go for it. I love, okay, I love that. Okay, so, great. Everybody, we're going to pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to get together and talk about you and talk about religion and ultimately talk about your people and how we can reach them and bring them into your fold in your kingdom. God, I pray that you will give me the wisdom and the words to speak, and that if you don't want me to say something, that you will shut my mouth. And if you want me to say something, that you will fill my mind um, and speak through my lips. And I just thank you so much for Zach's ministry. I pray that you will continue to bless it and prosper it as he works so hard to bring people Um, the truth in in your word. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. I love that you did that. I'm excited for
1: this. (laughs) I'm excited too. It's a thing that I do. I actually walked my neighborhood earlier today and just um, sang and worshiped for a little bit uh, because I always get there. there is something nervous that comes to me about talking about world religion. Mm. I think it's because I really want to speak truth There's so much to know about the Jehovah's Witnesses in particular um, that I don't want to say the wrong thing, like even a wrong date so Mm -hmm. that people find me uncredible. Um, And so I'm really just trying to bring truth into this world and also um, i want christians to walk away learning something new and being open to maybe some new ideas that they wouldn't have thought about before and that they're willing to have a conversation with jehovah's witnesses and finally that jehovah's witnesses who might be tuning in that they're willing to listen as well um, i've never been a jehovah's witness so i'm not an apostate um so technically they can listen to me um, and so i want my words to be truth and, and, and people to be open to that. Um, but yeah, so I guess a little bit about me. I am executive director of Mama Bear Apologetics. I've been in this role for about eight months, I think, something like that. Um, before that, I wrote, or I still do write, a world religion um, series uh, for the blog at mamabearapologetics.com. And we've covered religions such as well, uh, Christianity. We started with Christianity because you should <laughs> know sense. you should know what it is that you believe as a Christian. Um, then we moved on to Judaism, which also kind of made sense. Uh, and then we've covered the New Age, Progressive Christianity, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. We're in the middle of an Islam series. And then next we're tackling the Latter-day Saints. So I'm really excited about that one too. Um, Typically we cover a crash course, like what is it that they believe? And that's kind of what we'll talk about today. And then um, I always have a question and answer article that goes along with that, because I want parents to be able to come to this and say, oh, my kid has this question, like, what's a yarmulke? I don't know the answer to that. Let me see Mm -hmm. if Lindsay wrote about that and give them an easy place to kind of find the answer to those questions their kids might be bringing home so yeah that's what it, we do at mama bear apologetics is trying to equip the moms so that they can equip their kids
0: yeah well, that's one of the things that i have i mean i haven't dug into too much of the stuff at mama bear Apologetics, probably part because i'm not a mom um or dad or anything close to that but i do appreciate because i think what you guys are doing is you're reaching a group um, with apologetics that i think is very under and i love um what you guys are doing uh welcome to jared nate uh, Jennifer, Ethan, everyone who's joining us today, appreciate you joining us. So let's just dive into this topic for a little bit. Um, we're going to be talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses and maybe save like five or ten minutes at the end if people have some questions, if that works for you. Um, yeah, that's great. You can always just say pass because I know it's important you don't misrepresent. There's no, there's no, I always, uh, if we do Q&As, I'll say pass from time to time. I don't want to okay. misrepresent. There's no shame in that. Um, so just to start off, could you talk a little bit about like the basic history of the Jehovah's Witnesses? Where did they come from? who they are, things like that?
1: Yeah, that's a lot more complicated than I think (laughs) most people get. It it would be so easy to be like, yeah, there's a basic history. Um, No, there's not a basic history. I think um, mainly because there's a little bit of mystery involved in how it started. It's not Mm -hmm. like the Latter-day Saints or Islam that had somebody who was visited by an angel. Mm -hmm. um instead this is a guy named charles taze russell he was 18 years old so just about your age (laughs) are you you younger (laughs) than me yeah and um he was living in new york and so very similar like in the northeast and uh he was disenfranchised Mm -hmm. with his denomination he was a presbyterian and um he really Uh, didn't like some of the doctrine that was coming out of his church, Uh, specifically the Trinity. He thought it was confusing. And why would we have the Trinity if it was confusing? And he also didn't like the idea of eternal damnation in hell. He really thought that sending people to get tortured for the rest of eternity was not something that was correct. And so he went in search of truth. And uh, he found some teachings, some Adventist teachings, and determined that he thought that those were more aligned with what he believed. And kind of picked some of those teachings and made them his own. And um, in pri- you know, in specific, he really you know liked the idea of Jesus returning in 1874. He kind of grasped onto that prophecy and said, "Let's roll with it." jesus is returning in 1874. Um, 1874 came and went with no physical coming of christ however that did not phase charles charles instead he said you know what jesus did return however he returned invisibly so we can't see him um which is kind of convenient if you're trying to support a prophecy that you wholeheartedly believe in and you're trying to bring know people who believe and follow what you what you teach uh he started some bible studies and he called his kind of gathering the watchtower bible and tract society which is kind of where we get the bible and tract society today and um he you know he became you know interested in the armageddon as well he said that the armageddon um, was going to happen in 1914. And I see Cynthia. So Cynthia Hampton is my person. She <laughs> read all of my articles and she just corrected me. He grew up in Pennsylvania, not New oh, York. No, New York. Now, it's okay. Now I'm weird
0: about the resemblances in terms of age and state and let's say <laughs> I'm not from Pittsburgh. So we'll, we'll take that.
1: So Brooklyn, New York is where the headquarters were for, for, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, but Cynthia is correct. Um, she's She's wonderful. Uh, She is an ex-Jehovah's Witness, and she um, was featured on the special that Leah Remini did. Um, So she did the Scientology thing, but she also had a couple of episodes about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Cynthia was actually on that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love when she gently corrects me when I get something (laughs) wrong. Um, But yeah, so anyways, back to Charles. He said that the Armageddon was going to happen in 1914. They thought that that was confirmed because what happened in
0: 1914? Do you know? You know, a little
1: war called World War One. World War One! And so they <laughs> said, you know, oh my gosh, it's it's happening. The Armageddon is coming. Um, that turned out not to be the case, as we know, because we're looking back. Uh, Charles did also start publishing the Watchtower magazine. Um, at that time. He dies, and a guy named Joseph Rutherford takes after him. He uh, he changes the date of Armageddon to 1925. So now this is the second prophecy we have about Armageddon. Um, the first was 1914. Now we've got 1925. Um, he also changed the name uh, of the organization to the Jehovah's Witnesses, and he said that this is an interesting one that I don't know that many people know. There's a place called Beth Serum. Uh, I think it's uh, in California. I around san diego but I, I i think i think that's right it's a mansion where um they set up a place where the returned old testament prophets could live because rutherford said that there were some old testament prophets including abraham isaac and jacob who would return and they would live in this mansion the jehovah's witnesses end up selling that in the 40s because they didn't return um later rutherford, knowing that now we've got the failed prophecy because 1925 came and went of the armageddon and also the old testament prophets not returning he said you know what i'm fallible i'm not infallible i can make mistakes and that's kind of where we're at when we when we're talking about jehovah's witnesses Mm -hmm. um they believe that there can be false prophecies but not necessarily failed prophets um and they'll come back and say that um they're not infallible. They're not infallible. Um, so that kind of gives them a window of opportunity to be wrong with their prophecies. Um, Nathan Noor took over after Rutherford died. And we're almost done with this history lesson. But it's important that you know kind of this history so that you can relate to what the Jehovah Jehovah's Witnesses are taught when they come to your door. So Nathan Noor takes over in 42. He switched the date of Christ's return from 1874 to 1914 so it's still post date so 1914 but he says Christ did return invisibly but not until 1914 um, and then he said the Armageddon's not going to happen until 1975. Okay so now we've got three dates 1914 1925 and 1975. Okay so He also created the governing body. He also created the New World Translation, which is the Bible translation that Jehovah's Witnesses use, or he commissioned the creation of of that Bible translation, um, which we can talk about later. Um, But the governing board is considered the faithful and discreet slave um, that is described in Matthew 24 uh if people have questions about that we can go into that later as well but that's like a meaty topic that's going to take us away from the goal of today um nor dies a couple of other presidents take over um they don't necessarily change any of the prophecies but obviously 75 came and went with no armageddon um and we've had you know change over and who gets saved and which generations get saved and and ultimately uh what they do is they have progressive revelation and what they call new light and new light gives them the opportunity to come up with prophecies that um they say are true um but may or may not come to pass Mm -hmm. uh it's difficult it's just a difficult thing
0: Yeah. No, I think you did a great job outlining the history. and I agree with you. Like understanding the history of these groups is so important because yep. it just helps you understand where they came from. Kind of like it might explain some of their beliefs. Like if you can get into the history of religion, you can understand. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting. So uh, in all, in all beliefs, we have kind of like some like basic tenets. Like in Christianity, Christianity, you'd have obviously like the death and resurrection of Christ. And then mm-hmm. probably things like the Trinity, the deity of Christ, uh, all these things. In Islam, you have the five pillars. If you were to like just kind of like lay out like what are the basics of Jehovah's Witness beliefs? Um, what are some of like their core beliefs in their doctrine?
1: Yeah. So I picked the top three, but I'm happy to chat about any of the other fun beliefs that I think people – know about, like, they don't say the pledge, or they um, don't join the military, or they don't celebrate holidays. But the top three for me, um, are they believe in one God, so they are monotheists. However, they do reject the Trinity. So um, they've got Jehovah, who is the Father, and then he is the supreme being, uh, and the intelligent creator. And, And so you have to recognize that they do believe in God. They believe in God, and He is the only God. Um, they also believe that the Holy Spirit exists, but that He is an active force. So He's not part of God. He's separate from God. Um, and then they also believe that God is someone that they cannot fully comprehend. Mm-hmm. So that gives them some wiggle room in in their beliefs, uh, because well, we can't explain that because God can't be fully comprehended, um, which is, you know, that's that's true. We can agree with that. That's common ground. Like, don't die on that hill. We, can, Yeah, God is difficult to comprehend because we're human and humans can't comprehend God and all of his vastness and glory. Um, yeah. But when we're talking about their beliefs, I need to backtrack a second and say that really their beliefs come from their organization. So if their organization, says this is true, this is doctrine, then they're called to believe that organization. Um, And so that's really where their indoctrination comes from. Ultimately, it's not scripture. It's whatever the Watchtower Society gives them that they have to believe. So when they say there's no Trinity, there's no arguing with that, um, because that's what the Watchtower Society has told them. Um, And the Trinity is a really testy one that I don't often encourage people to get into. And we'll get we'll get to that in a second, when they're talking with the Jehovah's Witness at their door, because it's, it's a really complex issue. As you well know, Christians screw it up all the times where, you know, that video of the heresies and the whatnot. Um, so I, I think the Trinity let's back off on that for just a second. They do believe in Jesus. Uh, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they do not believe that Jesus is God. Uh, This is a little interesting um, tidbit about what they believe about Jesus. They believe that he was formerly the Archangel Michael. Mm -hmm. So um, what happened was Michael's in heaven with God. He is the first created being. And um, he comes down to earth and is implanted into Mary. And is born and is named Jesus. After Jesus dies, he returns to heaven and is now called Michael again. At least that's what the reasoning from the scriptures book said. And I reread it today to make sure that I got that right. Um, And so they do believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the Trinity and um, they equate him with Michael, the archangel. The problem with that is scripture tells us that Michael is one of the chief princes of the angelic beings, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is described as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, King of Kings does not equal one of the chief princes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scripture is pretty clear about separating the two. If if Michael was Michael and Jesus was Jesus, that's the case, that's what scripture says. It never brings Michael and Jesus into the same equation. Um, And so we need to really know that, that they believe that, that's one of their tenets about Jesus. Um, But how can we address that in conversation with them? And should we? as far as the resurrection, Oh, Jesus died, but uh, they believe that he died on a stake and not a cross. Um, that's not a hill to die on. There are Christian apologists, or there are Christians who also believe he died on a stake and not necessarily a cross. Um, so it's, it's not something that we necessarily have to argue with them till we're blue in the face about. There are many other things that (laughs) we can, we can discuss about the religion than how Jesus died. Um, they also believe Jesus was resurrected, but not bodily, um, spiritually. Mm-hmm. So he did return, but he was not in body form, um, but that he could make himself appear in bodily form. So, for example, in his uh, discussion with Thomas um, and Thomas is doubting whether he's truly Christ and he reveals his scars. So that would be a time where he was able to create a bodily image of himself. However, he was still only returned in a spiritual form um, and he did assent. According to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Um, Jesus ascended, but he broke broke up into gases. I guess is is what they believe in. Kind of how it was explained to me, he just sort of disintegrated into gases. Mm -hmm. And so again, not sort of that ascension image that we see, which you know we weren't we weren't there. So, um, (laughs) uh, but there's that image that we kind of get in our head when we're imagining ascension with the people all around and Jesus is ascending into heaven. Um, But Jehovah's Witnesses basically just poof and um, uh yeah so anything about jesus that is interesting to you zach that you want to dive into because he's kind of a a fun character to talk about with regard to the jehovah's witnesses
0: yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, one thing in particular that I'm thinking of, not necessarily pertaining to Jesus, but kind of like the, the scriptures of the Jehovah's Witnesses. I know they have the New World Translation. And then, so can you talk a little bit about that? And then what what's the role of, like, I don't know if they call them, like, their magazines or their brochures, but they have, like, the watchman's, um, the the magazines, or I don't know what you call mm-hmm. them, that they put out, or do do they equate those to scripture in a sense?
1: Yeah, so remember what I said about the organization. So the organization and whatever the organization says, that's the Watchtower Society, that's what goes. Um, And uh, there have been discussions about the role that the Bible plays but um, I did read uh, a testimony of someone who has come out of the Jehovah's Witnesses and I'm sure Cynthia could correct me here, um, but they're encouraged weekly to study the scriptures and study Watchtower material. And in one testimony of somebody who would left the religion, he said that um, he was required to read 66 pages of Watchtower produced material and four pages of the Bible mm. every week. So if that gives you any indication of how important scripture is to them, the word of God, um, uh, that kind of gives you an idea of what it is that they're being told to focus on. Um, And even when they do read scripture, they're reading a translation that is not reliable. So this is an interesting topic. The, The translation that they use is the New World Translation. And in the 1950s, uh, in the 1950s, Nathan Knorr commissioned this creation of this new t- this uh, new translation. And uh, they had five people uh, do the translation. And originally, they kept those people anonymous, saying that they just were doing this out of the goodness of their heart, for the glory of God, and they did not want to be identified. However, somebody who defected later kind of sold everybody out and was like, these are the five people that, that did the <laughs> translations of this, of this Bible. And come to find out that um, none of them had any training in Greek or Hebrew, um, which would be kind of important to have if you are translating um, the Bible. Um, (laughs) Four of them had only graduated from high school. Now, I I know that this crowd is young that I'm talking to. um, And there's y'all are proving us like you are proving yourselves and the ability to learn things and disseminate information. Um, but I'm not sure that you could translate Greek and Hebrew with no training whatsoever in those topics. Um, it's it's a really difficult pill to swallow. Um, and the other guy that was part of this, he had gone to college for two years and he dropped out and he'd never had any theological training at all. In fact, um, he was under oath uh, in the court of law at one point um, for a case that we don't need to get into now. Um, and they asked him to prove that he could speak Hebrew by trying to translate um, something from uh, Genesis, and he could not do it. And and so kind of disproved the, the idea that they were well-versed in Greek and Hebrew when he couldn't do it under the court of law. Um, so that's, that's the New World Translation. They um, inserted the word Jehovah. That's kind of the most well-known thing about their translation. Uh, they inserted it 237 times in the New Testament. Um, and and that's a lot. I think 70 of those references are quotes from the Old Testament, um, but uh, that's a lot. And Jehovah is, is really not a word that would appear in Greek. Um, Jehovah is is gleaned from Yahweh um, and so technically that could be a translation because we don't have the vowels and so they're kind of making up how to how to um, how to speak that word um so ooh, so I'm not it's not a it's not a hill to die on as far as putting it in the Old Testament but when it comes to the New Testament we're pretty certain that it doesn't belong there
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah is there anything else you wanted to add before we
1: no that's else? the new okay. translation yeah.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. One thing I remember, I don't remember where I heard it. Um, but there's a Greek scholar talking about how after like 10 years of studying Greek, you, you'll start to like understand it. Um, in the biblical sense. So it's definitely a complex language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, there's a question in the chat that fit perfect with, um, the next question that I was going to ask you, I believe it was from, um, Sam, Samuel Smith. And that's the idea of the Jehovah's witnesses are probably most famous in our society because they go door to door. They go neighborhood to neighborhood, knocking on doors all the time. So can you talk a little bit about like why do the Jehovah's Witnesses go door to door?
1: I love this question because the question should actually be why don't Christians? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we we are called to go and make disciples and um very few of us do it. Uh, and Jehovah's Witnesses are commissioned by their organization to do it. It started with Rutherford. Uh, he really wanted to build um, the, the group of Jehovah's Witnesses. So he said, sent them out two by two. Um, but it, it's, it's something that they do for hours. Um, I hate saying that. It's, it's works for them. Uh, that was the third tenet that we didn't get to in their beliefs that I find the most important and that's salvation. And this is what sets them apart from Christianity, I think the most, um, aside from the Trinity, um, which is kind of a big deal, uh, is the way that they can get saved. So if you ask a Jehovah's Witness, are you saved? Um, They will say something to the effect of thus far I am. Uh, Meaning that they believe that they could lose their salvation if they don't work hard enough. Um, And we know as Christians that that's not what scripture tells us. Um, Scripture tells us that, Um, we are saved by grace and faith through through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. That we don't have to do anything to earn our salvation um, other than believing in Christ and having that faith. Um, And I mean, the New Testament says that more than 200 times. You just need faith. You just need faith. Um, But they hearken back to um, uh, a verse in Philippians that uh, talks about working, and they use that as the reason why they're supposed to work. The problem with that is they take it out of context. Um, Paul was really talking to a group of people on the collective who were kind of acting in ways that they shouldn't have been as, as Christians. And so he's kind of saying, come on, guys, work on this. Like, be better, is what he was saying. He wasn't saying you have to work to earn your faith or, or your salvation, he was saying, be better at being Christians. <laughs> Live out your faith so that people recognize you as a Christian. Um, and and they, he wasn't talking to an individual. He was talking to the collective group in Philippi, right? So, uh, but they take that out of context, and then they really lord it over their members and say, "See, you have to work to earn your salvation." And this is what they do. They have to go to church. They go to tr- church twice a week, which, it, for many of us, no big deal. But One of those days is spent preparing to go door to door. Um, And so they have a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures, which mine is tabbed and heavily underlined. Um, And this basically tells them everything they need to know when they go door to door. So this is how they prepare to have conversations at our doorstep. Now, we don't have one of these, but we do have one of these. (laughs) You know, We have a Bible that we should be using to prepare for our interactions with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and and we could get together, apologists do this for fun, but everybody should be getting together to have practice conversations with people who disagree with us on any given topic, including people who believe different things. Mm-hmm. And so we know they're coming to us, we know. And so knowing that we should know what they believe, but more importantly, we should know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, and so they're doing the works to earn their salvation because Christ died basically to make it possible for them to be saved. Um, he cleared out Adam's initial sin and allowed us to start from scratch. And now we need to work on that. And part of that work is going door to door. Yeah, I think
0: you're right about the idea of Christians not going door to door. I know I have a pastor who's very empathetic, not empathetic. He's very um n- intentional in his efforts to minister to his neighbors because I think oftentimes Christians here love their neighbors over yourselves and we're always like well it means everyone but we, we, we also forget about our literal neighbors um and I guess that's something the that Jehovah's Witnesses we can learn from is their intentional outreaches that they are consistent about um so what are some of the common misconceptions that we see be- that Christians have about Jehovah's Witnesses like you know we have these things like oh JWs they believe this or they believe that like what are some of the common mistakes Christians make when they try to understand what a Jehovah's Witness believes and who they are.
1: Well, I think one thing that we assume is that they're not prepared, which we just need to toss that one out the window now. I've already touched on this. They are preparing up the wazoo to have these conversations with you. Mm-hmm. Um, this this little tiny book, which is I think 400 pages, um, walks them through sample conversations that they would have with you at their door. Um, and I mean, it starts with show respect which we should be doing, Um, be reasonable, which we should also be doing, and be prepared. So those are the things that they're being taught. And those are the things that scripture teaches us to do as well. Um, So don't assume that they are not prepared to talk with you. They are coming to your door ready for a conversation about pretty much anything you can throw at them. Um, The other thing is uh, some people think that they don't believe in heaven, um, but that's not the case. They do believe in heaven but it's limited to 144,000 people. So now we're at another a a tenet of their belief and I'll stay in the common misconceptions, but I will um, kind of flush this one out a second. Mm -hmm. So there is something called the anointed class or the little flock. And that comes from Revelation 7 and 14, where in the end times, there will be one hundred and forty four thousand who are you know, sent to heaven to be with Christ or to be with God um, in Jehovah in Jehovah's Witnesses. And then um, so those one hundred and forty four thousand, which are men. So that's one question you could ask them is, are there any women in this hundred forty four thousand mm-hmm. uh, there? There aren't um, those one hundred and forty four thousand are, are allowed to go to heaven. But what happens with the rest of us? Okay. So according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, this 144,000 was actually cut off in 1935 because they already had that many followers. So anybody after that wouldn't be part of the Um, 144,000. What happens to them? Well, I'm glad you asked. They get to stay in earthly paradise. Those 144,000 will reign with Jesus Christ over everybody left on earth. So there's going to be a thousand year reign in earthly paradise with whoever is in the great flock. We're called the great flock. We're not called, uh, the anointed ones or the little flock. Um, so that's kind of, they do believe in heaven, but it's limited. It's not, uh, all people get to go to heaven kind of thing. Um, and they're pretty adamant about that. That's they're not gonna I don't foresee that they'll change that one um, they have changed to kind of falls under that uh with time goes but 1935 has been the cutoff for a while uh so let's talk about hell do they believe in hell yes they do believe in hell but not the hell that we're taught about um, their hell is, is sort of a common grave um it they're they're asleep and they're just they're not aware of anything they kind of Cease to exist in this common grave. There is no eternal torment for Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and that comes back, you know, to Charles Taze Russell and his beliefs against um, that. Um, so Cynthia has got a little correction. They claim to have eleven thousand or so that are part of the one hundred forty-four thousand, and they're not from nineteen thirty-five. So other people who are part of the class that I guess broke past the thirty-five, the the nineteen thirty-five deadline, but. My information, so she's got, the, the tricky thing is that she's got the insider information, right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, being
0: an extra jahomas witness would probably help in understanding everything. And that's
1: And that's a tip that I love to give people, is if you're going to start writing about these things, you need to have somebody who experienced the religion read what you write so that you stick with what is true and not um, what, is is assumed about them. Never make assumptions about what it is they do or do not believe um, about any belief, not just the JWs. Because if you start making assumptions about who they are or what they believe, you're likely going to make mistakes. Um, so it's better to ask questions. I always love questions. That's the best way to do it. Um, one of the fun misconceptions fun fun misconceptions about the Jehovah's Witnesses is that they can't get organ donations. Um, That's not true. Uh, They can get organ donations. However, um, they cannot get blood transfusions. So that can make organ donations difficult. Um, So some doctors have been really trying to find ways to help people like the Jehovah's Witnesses um, be able to get these kinds of surgeries, these life saving surgeries without Blood transfusions and those are called bloodless surgeries. You can Google them. It's really interesting how um, that works and why there's doctors at Johns Hopkins who are doing this to, you know, allow people to have blood transfusion or not blood transfusion surgeries even if they can't have the transfusions. So um, it's it's one way that they're working to help JWs in particular. And then finally, a misconception is that JWs can't have beards. Um, this is a weird one that floats around the internet, and you're like, okay, um, it's true that most of the images that you see of men uh, and and obviously not Christian men because you go on Twitter and all you see is like bearded man and bearded apologist, and you know, all the beards., um, even Jay had a beard for a while, and I think right now he does too., um, I, I know he does right now, but I don't know if he will on the podcast later. Um, so I, they don't have beards, and uh, generally. They're not forbidden. However, um, they they don't want them to get in the way that might hinder their, you know, the work of God. So if they think that their beard is going to cause a hindrance, uh, then they should shave it off. Um, interestingly, uh, sometime a long time ago in their publications, Jesus appeared without a beard. Um, and <laughs> that is is. Interesting and and now if you Google it and you go on JW.org, um, he he has a beard, but um, they kind of contextualized it. Oh, he he was in this you know time period in this region, it was likely acceptable for for him to have a beard and for his followers to have beards. So that makes sense. And Charles Taze Russell himself had a beard, um, and none of the presidents after him have had a beard, but uh, Charles Taze Russell did. So those have been misconceptions, uh, that I, you know, I found interesting. Um, maybe people are interested in others. I don't know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you are, you can ask a question. Hopefully we'll get to a couple questions at the end. Um, so I saw a funny comment. It's like, imagine a JW coming to Lindsay's door, um, (laughs) with, with all this knowledge. Have Have you had experience with like Jehovah's witnesses coming to your door?
1: Yeah. Uh, so not as many as I'd like, um, but with COVID, it's actually been really interesting because they have been writing letters to people. Mm. And I got letters. So <laughs> I have it's been, been a pen pal. Too. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had a pen pal um, JW now for a month or so, maybe a, maybe two months. And um they they send pamphlets. So I got, oh, I put it in my Bible. Um this particular letter strain is talking about the kingdom of God. So I got a pamphlet in the mail with my little handwritten letter. And um, really I was, I was reading through it again and I've written back handwritten. Um, I, I I was reading through it again today and she walks through this. Mm -hmm. So there were no surprises in what she was saying. So if Christians got one of these, which you, you can get it on Amazon, right? And if Christians got one of these and started reading through it, they would get an idea of like, oh, these are the things they're going to talk about when they come to my door. Um, And she's focusing on the kingdom of God because why? Well, we're going through COVID, a pandemic. And so they want to focus on the hope of what the kingdom of God is and, um, you know, this earthly paradise and all things are going to pass away and be, you know, brand new. And and we're going to, you know, you know, one of the illustrations they give at the memorial of the Christ of Christ, which is their Easter um, service, uh, is they they give an illustration of a little girl hugging a lion and eating some raspberries together. So the idea is like on this earthly paradise, everybody's gonna get along, and I guess we're not gonna eat meat because that's the image of that. Um, but maybe we are gonna eat meat. But the image that was given in the memorial that I went to last year was you know this lion hugging this little girl. Um, and, and and so that's my other sort of side bit bar is go to a memorial service if you want to meet some JWs. Um, <laughs> there are about eight million uh, Jehovah's Witnesses in the world, one point two million in the United States. And yes, they will come to your door, but sometimes they will not like we lived at a seminary for, for three years. They're not coming on a seminary campus to have conversations with us. <laughs> That's not, you know, they're not knocking on our doors. <laughs> um, but I had a friend at seminary who invited me uh, to come meet one of his friends that he works with. And we went to the memorial service together over Easter. And it's fascinating what happened in, you know, in that service. So now only people who belong to the anointed class those 144,000 can take communion, which I'm seeing slam RN is saying that don't take communion, right? Don't take communion. (laughs) Or if you want to be weird, you can, um, and they will look at you like side eye. Um, but they pass the communion and nobody takes it because none of them think that they can. And, um, that is such an opposite message than what you get in, in Christian churches. You know, we find such hope, in Christ being resurrected on Easter. And we celebrate this resurrection. And, and it, it's such a hopeful event for us. Um, but sitting in that memorial service with them, I guess it was on Good Friday, sitting with them in this memorial service on Good Friday is just like, ugh, it's really heavy. And you can kind of feel it in the in the in the wherever they are meeting. Um, you know, their average services don't have that many people, but they bring in, I think. I want to i'm going to misquote this one the statistic but it was more than 20 million people that went to the memorial in 2018. Hmm. if there's only 1.2 million in the in in the united states if there's only 1.2 million jehovah's witnesses in the united states and 20 million or so went to the memorial they're bringing people to to the church with them and it might just be people like me who are like "Hmm, this is interesting i'd like to attend this um you know but i i really just uh, that heaviness, it felt like a funeral and, and granted we, it was good Friday, you know, um, but it really truly felt like we had nothing to look forward to, even though they were talking about earthly paradise. I was looking around, like, I don't think these people want earthly paradise. Like, I think we want heaven and we're assured heaven in scripture. Um, and, and we don't have to do anything to earn that except to have faith. And I, and I think reminding Jehovah's witnesses about that is is really tantamount to, to our ability to share the gospel um with them.
0: I remember looking at this is kind of related. I just remember looking at um a meme. I know that's how you want to start a convert, start a point. But it was a few days ago and I saw like this and it was talking about how like Christians were like Christians like it's sort of like it's hard to describe this meme in like in just in audio. I'll have to yes. find it if I can share it. Um, I'd have to find it, but it's like, it was just basically the point that Christians often get busy arguing about like worship set lists or stuff like that. And we missed the the goal of sharing the gospel, bringing people to church, they can hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the JW seem to be often be doing a lot better than Christians. uh, At Mm -hmm. least that's what the statistics can seem like. Yeah. Yeah. So what does like, Obviously, the convers—they have that book, which is hundreds of pages, and the conversation with a Jehovah's Witness can go so many different ways. But when they come to when they come to your door, what 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 can a Christian expect to hear um, coming from a, a Jehovah's Witness in a general sense when they're coming knocking on your door to talk to you?
1: Yeah. So Cynthia will obviously be able to talk about this more because I was not a Jehovah's Witness, but I will say that the conversations are going to vary, um, as mm. you said, like it's going to be different. Um, They're first going to start to try to have common ground with you. So they might ask you about how is your family coping during COVID-19? Have you been able to see your family? Um, Have you been sick? Uh, You know, they're going to try to connect with you on that level. to say like, we're one of you we experienced this as well. Um, It might have to do with crime. In your neighborhood? Have you noticed an uptick in crime in your neighborhood? Um, why do you think that is? Or, um, you know, they could ask you a wealth of questions, but basically it's going to be questions to get to know you um, and, and and try to get a feel for what the conversation will, will look like. Um, and they're going to offer you literature as well. So they'll probably offer you some pamphlets like the one I showed um, you earlier, uh, but they'll also offer you probably the awake magazine. So it's a thicker pamphlet um, that they come out with. Um, And then they'll tell you we have lots of information on our on our website, which is true. If you want to find out anything about the Jehovah's Witnesses, they have a phenomenal website that basically covers everything under the sun that you could ever imagine about their religion and what they believe, just type it into the search engine on their or their search box in their website, whatever it is you want to know, it'll come up and you can go into their archives, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, But i say receive that literature don't receive it in your heart but receive it physically and say oh thank you and and just set it away you don't have to keep it forever but don't be like i don't need your literature um because then you're kind of shutting them down before they've even given you the opportunity to share with them um and and as they begin to find common ground with you turn it around on them And like Paul did in Acts 17, try to find common ground with them. Um, Find a way to say, you know, why are you out on this really hot day? Um, Do you need a glass of water? Would you like to sit down? Um, Treat them with kindness because they're not expecting non-witnesses to treat them with kindness. We all know that they get doors slammed in their faces. We know that people will hide and pretend they're not home when somebody knocks on their door Um, and that's not really doing what christ called us to do as christians um but yeah it'll go really any way that you want it to go if you if they catch you unprepared say it say you know what i'm about to head out or i've got some things that i may play right now and i don't really have time to talk right now um, can you come back next week and set up a time for them to come back to your house next week. And that gives you a week to say, "Whew, got to get it in my head. I got to learn as much as I can um, about the basic beliefs. And then hopefully when they come back, I'm ready to just have a conversation with them um, about whatever it is that they want to talk about, they're taught to be prepared and through respectful. We should show them that same um, thing. Uh, I've written a whole article about how that conversation might go and what you could say, um, what you shouldn't say. You should never call them a cult, um, not to their face. Uh, I actually avoid that word almost altogether. There are very few groups that I will call cults, like Jim Jones cult, David Koresh cult. Um, I mean, I live in Waco. I've been to the Branch Davidian complex a few times since I've been here, uh, and and you know, though that was definitely a cult. But uh, as far as labeling other um, religions, cults, you're, again, shutting down the conversation before it even gets a chance to go anywhere. Um, Really, the goal of your first conversation should be a second conversation. You want Mm -hmm. them to come back so that you can get deeper and deeper in the discussions, um, get past those, how do you feel about the crime in your neighborhood questions, and get into who is Jesus to you? Or how do we get saved? whatever questions, um, come up in the second conversation or third conversation, um, keep them coming as long as you can, um, showing, by showing them kindness and asking them questions.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, um, with the idea of not, just not calling them a cult, because I I think this is something common across Christians can do with all kinds of beliefs, whether it's, like, calling, like, you'll say, oh, all atheists are blind or whatever, kind of Jehovah's Witnesses a cult or Islam Muslims dumb like things like that they just they shut they shut people off before you can even develop the conversation and I think typically when we call people like either like like culture and doctrine it's typically because we don't know people um who are in those beliefs because once you know people are in them usually you understand a little bit more even if you think their doctrine can be kind of like a a little funky
1: right Right. And cult carries just so much baggage. Um, They may very well fall under a particular definition of cult. And that's a conversation that can be had. That's not a conversation you should have with the Jehovah's Witness at your doorstep. Um, You shouldn't warn them of being a member of a cult. They've heard it before. They've been prepped on that conversation. Um, And and you can have that discussion for, um, you know, with other Christians. Um, To really go through their doctrine and say, oh, do they meet this threshold? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not appropriate to bring up at your doorstep. Now, keep in mind that we're trying to eventually bring them into Christianity. Mm -hmm. So many Jehovah's Witnesses or Latter day Saints who leave their faith never get into another faith, they don't become Christians, they remain, they go and become atheists. And I mean, there's a really popular Jehovah's Witness, and I love him. I follow him on Twitter. He's an atheist. Now, he supports JWs, ex-JWs who come out of the faith and become Christians, but he is an atheist. And um, most people who come out of that faith are atheists. So we're trying to build bridges, not burn them. We want their experiences with Christians to be positive so that when they're reflecting on those pebbles in their shoes that we've left them at our doorstep, they're like, huh I remember that Christian they were so kind to me I would like to go find out more and maybe they'll come to your doorstep in two years and say I left Jehovah's Witnesses can we talk about Christianity and wouldn't that be like worth it to you it would be to me (laughs)
0: yeah it's it's a great transition to our last couple questions here um and what are some kind of like general guidelines for christians how can we be intentional in sharing the gospel um with the jehovah's witness because it's one thing to just kind of like prepare and be like okay i know their doctrines are false and i can defend against when they're arguing but it's another thing to be able to share the gospel with them and, and bring them the, the full 180 to Christianity, not just leave them stuck at something like atheism. So so what can Christians do to be more intentional and in, in sharing the gospel with the with a Jehovah's Witness?
1: I love this question because really that's the goal, right? We, we want to share the gospel and we want to show them truth. We want to show everybody truth and the hope found in the gospel. Um, and and we're called to you know share the gospel. So how do we do it? Um, well first we open our doors. We don't we don't (laughs) slam the door shut and just say, I'm already a Christian. Well, bam, Um, because there's a lot of connotation in that. Now you're telling them I'm already a Christian, which means you are thinking that they're they're already Christians. Um, So you're kind of saying the wrong message there. Um, So don't slam the door, open it, Um, but uh, be sincere. Tell them about your experiences. Uh, whether it's you know how you became a Christian. For me, it, I became a Christian at a very young age. I, I, my parents are missionaries. My dad's a pastor. I was exposed to Christianity from birth, right? <laughs> and and I, I that's a, a great testimony. Um, not not everybody shares that testimony. My husband's testimony is very different from mine. Um, he came to the faith through apologetics, and um, and and that's not how I got into apologetics. I got into apologetics because of him but explaining that to people saying, I would have a conversation about why this matters to me um, or, or why I believe Christianity is true. Again, they are trained basically, they're told, and this isn't wrong, that Christians don't know the Bible, that Christians can't tell you why they believe Christianity is true. Now, I'm preaching to the choir here because as apologists, we know why we believe what is, is true. and we're telling Christians, dude, apologetics, you got to figure it out. We need apologetics. Put it in our churches, put it in our youth groups, Um, get it places so that we can defend Christianity, because it is overwhelmingly true. (laughs) We can support it. Um, And I think Christians need to do the work. They need to find out why they believe what they believe. It's not enough to say, my parents were Christians, so I'm a Christian. Uh, It's not enough. That's not a, a good enough um, explanation. Um, it, it needs more meat. Um, and so be prepared to share why it is you believe what you believe. Um, and then show them hope. Show them hope. You can be honest and say, hey, my story is not like smooth sailing. I've experienced this and that. And, you know, you can shut off some of those false gospels that are kind of perpetuated in the world thanks to you know, Twitter and other social media. Um, but, you know, say God is um, moving in my life, even though I'm suffering here or whatever, let me show you the way God has, has uh, shown me himself and, um, really make that clear to them. And then after a few conversations with them, and honestly, it's going to be a few conversations. You're probably not going to get into this your first round. Say, can I show you something? And then ask them to read some scripture with you out of your Bible and say i'd love to read a couple of passages with you about you know and, and and just don't teach them just read with them and then you can even ask them if if they'll pray with you um not not the sinner's prayer necessarily but you know you can pray with them if they but i would ask first because some mm-hmm. will say no um and so you really want them to walk away with uh a pebble in their shoe right We're planting- yeah seeds, not weeds. And we got really great seeds to plant. Um, We just need to know how to plant those.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good answer. Um, So the last question here, um, we probably won't do any Q&A because of A time and B mostly because we have Cynthia here. Shout out to Cynthia, who's been answering all these questions. Um, Thank you for joining us. Uh, You've been really helpful for everyone who's been listening and watching and interacting in the live chat. But if there were, we talked a little bit about Christian misconceptions of Jehovah's witnesses. Um, So it's kind of a similar question, but when when a Christian sitting down with a couple of Jehovah's witnesses, talking with them, what, what should Christians not say? What should we not like, what, what do do we say that we shouldn't be saying um, in these interactions?
1: Yeah, we should, we should start by getting to know them, right? Like ask them, you know how their day's going if that's as easy as you need to get then you can say how are you how are you doing have you been out here long have you been doing this long? um and how long have you been a jehovah's witness ask them basic questions to get to know them um not nothing that is nothing that is offensive to them um at, at least you know you're eventually probably going to get offensive because that's the reality of confronting false doctrine is that mm-hmm you have to eventually speak truth Um, Mm. but you want to speak truth to ears that can hear. And when they first show up at your door, they're not going to have ears that can hear. Um, And in fact, Cynthia, she um, kind of explained to me this idea a couple of years ago now about thought stopping. So they're trained to kind of stop thinking in a couple of ways. So if you bring up the Trinity, they sort of like shut down and they're like, we're never coming back here again. And they blacklist your house, right? And and, and that's not what we should want. It's not like trying to get out of jury duty. Um, we're talking about people's eternity. We're talking about salvation. And so we, uh, we should welcome them as you know, we should be missionaries in our own home, in our own neighborhoods. And um, so welcome them and don't cause unnecessary offense. So don't bring up the Trinity first go around. Um, a, because that's going to thought stop, but B, it's so complex. And I've been studying it for a long time about the Jehovah's Witnesses and Christianity. And I still like, Ooh, I don't know if I can bring that up right now. one And I like to just share the video from, um, Oh, the Lutheran satire, um, about it. Um, uh, because that, that's a great explanation of how confusing the Trinity can be. Um, the other thing is don't, don't start by teaching them so uh, they are taught to be the teachers they are teaching you you are not teaching them so instead frame it frame your teaching into questions so ask them leading questions that will get them to think about some of their beliefs so you can ask them uh oh gosh ron Rhodes has a ser- a series of these in some of his um in, in a couple of his books but Essentially, ask them leading questions that bring them to this realization like, I should question the Watchtower Society um, and, and, and um, make them wonder, like, later on when they're at home, like, really? Should I think that way? I don't know. Um, and, and then maybe they'll come back to you and um, talk with you more. Um, but you really don't want to be blacklisted. That's like the key for your first interaction with them. Um, and then the other mistake is that we're just not prepared. We either haven't read the word um, and, and that's a problem. Um, we haven't prayed. I always recommend that folks before they answer that door uh, that they say a quick prayer, um, just you know, kind of how we started this podcast and then um, study. So get yourself a book on the Jehovah's Witnesses. I can recommend those at the end um, and then be willing to interact with them. Now, remember interacting with people is asking questions And listening okay we're not again we're not trying to be in a teacher role with them so ask them questions and then sit back and just listen take notes you can ask them hey can i take notes about some of the things you say so that i can just remember um, when what we talked about and they're going to be fine with that um and really just be willing to listen. I think so, so often we get so excited. We're like, oh my gosh, I just watched a podcast and I just read a book. And I think I know everything I need to know about Jehovah's Witnesses. And oh my gosh, a missionary's at my door. I'm going to do it. And you want <laughs> to jump in and you want to be like, you're so excited. Take a deep breath and recognize that like, maybe this isn't the conversation right now. Maybe, maybe you're just going to listen this time around. And next time you get an opportunity to share something exciting that you're so excited about.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy this. Um, any kind of like closing thoughts you want to bring up? Anything that we didn't touch yeah. on that you love to bring up regarding Jehovah's Witnesses? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to mention um, a couple of resources that I love um, that you might like too. Um, I mentioned that jw.org, it, it truly is a great site if you want to get to know what it is they're teaching their people. Um, there's videos uh, all the way down like for kids. So if you think like, Oh my gosh, it's over my head, I don't understand what they're talking about. They have videos made for kids that explain some of their basic doctrine. Um, reasoning from the scripture, again, the little book, uh, you can get that on Amazon, I don't remember how much. It's, uh, it's also available online at jw.org. Um, uh, reasoning from the scriptures with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, Ron Rhodes wrote a book where he took this little book, and answered the que- answered it. So he responds mm-hmm. to the issues that they bring up in this book, which is super convenient. If you want to have conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses at your door, he supports you know, with scripture, so you don't have to come up with all of that information on your own. Um, and it's, it's clear and, and pretty concise. But if you're like, Oh, my gosh, that's a huge book. You're right. He wrote another book called the 10 most important things you can say to a Jehovah's Witness. Now it is a short version of this book, um, and he addresses the top ten things that you should or shouldn't say to a Jehovah's Witness. Um, and super accessible. I actually read through it this weekend, so it, it's really a fast read, um, and I I enjoyed it. If you prefer, like even shorter, <laughs> and you're just looking for like a brief outline, um, Robert Bowman wrote this outline. It's called the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and it's um, uh, it is just exactly what I just said. It's an outline where they outline the different um, beliefs in a really concise way um, and gives you ideas about how to respond to those. And finally, if you're looking for an all around good world religion book, that is not super long. Now, be aware that there haven't been a lot of new religion book, world religion books in a long time, which is why I'm excited about Harvest House book next year. (laughs) But um, Ron Enroth, uh, he edited a book, uh, I think in 2012, it's called New Religious Movements. And this is actually the term I use when I'm talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, um, rather than cults. Um, And he covers um, the New Age, the Baha'i, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Latter-day Saints, he touches on Islam, neo-paganism, um, so really just an all-around great primer to some of those um, world religions that uh, you're like, I don't have time to look up all of this stuff. Well, good, they did it for you, um, <laughs> and um, you could just add that quick to your library.
0: Yeah, a lot of awesome, stores, awesome stuff. Oh my gosh, can't talk. Uh, okay. A lot of good resources. Um, before we wrap up, Lindsay, if, if People want to follow you and learn more about you and Mama Bear Apologetics. How do do they follow you and what you guys are doing?
1: Sure. So I'm at L Medinwalt. So L Medinwalt on Twitter. Uh, That's primarily where I interact with folks, um, unless I know you personally, and then I'll friend you on Facebook. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But most people I don't know personally, so I just... Twitter is the way to get in touch with me. Um, Mama Bear has a website, mamabearapologetics.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We're like, we're all over the place, but we're not on Parler yet. Um, But we're on all the other things, Um, and not on TikTok because not our demographic. Um, Zach and I have had this conversation um, why Mama Bear is not on TikTok. And that is really one of the reasons um, because our demographic is people like me, Although we do have Papa Bears and we do have people who don't have kids who follow us, and we we love everybody the same, so um, come follow us. Uh, and then I guess I guess that's it. MamaBearApologetics.com is really the best way to to find us.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. See, I think I follow you guys in everything. Um, maybe one day you'll get a TikTok. <laughs> I, I, I I don't like TikTok, but I'm trying to drag people into this uh, mess that's called TikTok with me. Um, <laughs> I hope <laughs> it
1: dies it. so that I don't have to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's what I keep thinking. But I mean, we're like eight months or twelve months in, and it just keeps going. So I'm like, well, I guess I need to start doing this. Um, It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate this interview. If you want to follow Adherent Apologetics, you can check. I encourage you to subscribe, like this video. Uh, You can follow us at A Apologetics on Twitter, and then you can search for us on Adherent Apologetics on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, really anything except for Parler. don't know if I'll make that. We'll see. Uh, and then if you enjoy the show, you can support us at patreon.com hear and Apologetics for about, I think, like $150 from full funding. So that's Ooh, exciting.
1: Support him. Um, support him.
0: Thank you. Um, Lindsay, this has been so much fun. I appreciate your energy, your knowledge, um, your enthusiasm. There's been so much good stuff here. I really appreciate it.
1: Ah, it was great being here. I'm, I was a little nervous, but I saw friendly like names that I know, and I was scrolling through <laughs> reading the comments. I read all the comments, y'all. We just didn't get to them. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, big shout out to Cynthia because she got to answer all those questions for the most part, which really helped out. Shout out to Jared, Slam RN, praise Jesus, everyone else who was here.
1: Um, it's always been a lot of fun, Lindsay. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Zach. See you later.